You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. This is another installment of On This Day in Packers History. So basically what we're doing right now in, in 2018 is we're trying to, and, and the cool thing is this is where a lot of sort of my deeper thinking came along, right? When when the season's going on and you're just winning, it's it tends to be real shallow. But man, there's a lot of soul searching that goes on when you're losing and, and really trying to understand. And, and it was good. It was working through, you know, yesterday was a little bit more hostile in terms of why tanking is the right thing to do and all that kind of stuff. And basically what happened is I got a little bit of pushback and I address a couple counterpoints. Um, and, and it's really just a, a fun exercise in, in thinking things through. For example, do people need practice, right? I mean, is it wrong to, well, what, whatever. So, so there's, there's, there's counterpoints to it that I want to address and kind of play with. And it's it's it, it's interesting for a couple of reasons. Number one, because it's just fun to kind of go back and relive it. Like, oh yeah, that's what was going on. But then also just kind of, again, this is like football theory. And this is kind of working through some ideas and concepts and what do you do and why do you do it? And I, I just, I find that interesting. So again, there, there are certain people who, you know, they just want to watch football and they just want to hear me do what I did, you know, the other day talking about why the Packers are the greatest. And, you know, th- that's what they tune in for. Um, you know, this, this is, I guess you could say a little bit more deep, but you know, what, whatever that's, that's what today is about or a year ago was about. So kind of working through some of those things. And, um, we're also building toward the Cardinals game. So the, the ultimate, it, it seems like this was the big collapse, but then there's another big collapse. And then obviously it's, it's a unbelievably big collapse after the Lions game. So it just continues to trend downward, um, until, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes after that. But I don't know. I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. That's what today's about. We will take our break, and we'll come back and dive right into it. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. So I got a lot of really good feedback from yesterday's podcast. Mostly just I agree. Um, some other people saying that they were kind of on the fence about it and they had some thoughts that were a little bit different. So 
I want to bring up a couple of the good points, the good counterpoints, because I think it's fair to mention um, some of the things that may, you know, not, like I said, the, the biggest issue I had was the bad fan thing. But if, if you have a another opinion on how to make this team better, awesome. You know why? Because this is one really good fan talking to another really good fan about how to make this team awesome. And that shouldn't make anybody upset. And I'm surprised. I really thought there was going to be a lot of vitriol in your garbage and I'm not listening to you anymore. But I just had, I don't know, two, three people kind of reach out and was like, eh, I don't know, kind of disagree and here's why. It's like, oh, yeah, that's a pretty good point. So there's a couple, and I, I... to be completely honest, I have been so isolated, and it's probably, if, if I've been kind of drifting away from the mainstream, it's because I have not listened to another Packers podcast or hardly even read any Packers news in a very long time. With my hours changing at work, I pretty much have to wake up, get coffee, come down here, and just start talking instantly. I do not have time to really prep. I mean, I get a little bit done yesterday, but it's it's straight to work, but... I listened to about the first three minutes of uh, Bukowski. You know, you got to skip the first 15 minutes of advertisements and then get to the podcast, and then I listened to the first three minutes of it. But it was, you know, he basically went down the exact opposite road I did yesterday. I don't know. He was supposed to talk about coaches, which is interesting. I'll try to listen to it. But but he also brought up a few of those points as well. But I want to talk about them briefly, and then I want to get into specifics, because what I did yesterday was kind of go through, and it's impossible to predict every single game, because you have any given Sunday times 16 games times, what, five more weeks? So who knows? But in general, I kind of want to just give a little bit of a more specific idea of what we're talking about here. In other words, there's five games, so we can win one, we can win two, we can win three, we can win four, we can win five. Those are our only options. And I want to give my specifics as far as where I think we are drafting or what I think our destiny is in each of those situations. Just to give specifics, like what are we talking about? Are we talking about first round pick? Are we talking about or a first overall pick? Are we talking about 16th pick? What what playoffs? How do we get you know kind of what are we talking about specifically? to help make better decisions about what school we should be in and what the overall positives and negatives are. Anyways, before we get there, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. If you'd like to support the podcast, there's also a link for a one-time donation if you'd like to jump on that bandwagon. Packernet.com for all your news, notes, and information. We aggregate all the news from around the web, so there's really no need to go to 16 different websites. Just go to Packernet, check it out, see what's up. So, talking specifically um, about the counterpoints there, there's two really I think there was about two <laughs> that I can think of uh, the the one I really just don't buy necessarily is the idea of we need guys to get practiced up in big games I don't buy it well it's kind of it's kind of a two-part thing one we're always have to weighing against the other right it's not just one thing we understand that it's a spectrum and the further you go to one end you are benefiting this side but hurting the other side right it's sort of like the dichotomy i created yesterday which is do you lean toward the future or do you lean toward 2018 every time we win we drift further and further away from the future now maybe you don't think it impacts quite as heavily as, as i think it impacts but what I've never really heard 
is the concept that people need practice in big games. Have, have, can you think of one example, because I really can't, in which somebody just needed to get practiced up? Like they, they were a good football player, but they were terrible in the playoffs. But then the second time they went to the playoffs, they were really good. I, 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 like I know we draft people in college that can handle big games because it's an attribute, but I see it as an attribute similar to speed. It's not like, well, he's a 4-5 guy now, but in a couple of years he'll be a 4-4 guy probably. That, that's not how that works. Like, did Andy Dalton get better because he went back to the playoffs? No, he's just bad in the playoffs. I mean, can, I can't think of anybody in which that's the case, where they, they struggled when they were young, playing in big games, and then over time, they got really, really good playing in big games. Maybe it exists somewhere, but again, am I willing to throw away a top 10 pick because maybe Josh Jackson needs a couple years of, of playoff practice? Uh, I don't think so. Now, I, I think a lot of this can be brought down into locker room. I think the coach has a lot of impact into this, and it has to do with focus and preparation. Right message. We there's there's so many messages that that go into you know you, you hear players that echo their coach's sentiment all the time like well we're just focused on next week or we're things like that are important because focus is important and, and how people think and how people act and how people feel is very very important. It's it still kind of blows my mind to what extent that is true. And again, it it just seems weird to me like how much preparation how much i mean not just physical preparation and, and study and practice but mental and emotional preparation for a game there needs to be the fact that you even have guys like haha clinton dicks that just pout and just don't want to play anymore like how does that even happen in a contract year like i don't care if you don't like your job man i really don't care if you don't like green bay like i, I don't understand that attitude or that mentality well, the guys at work don't like me, or I don't like living in Green Bay. Okay, fine. Man, my throat. Then, when you have some free time, hop on a private jet to the Florida Keys and go swim in the ocean, and then come back. Like, I, I just don't feel sorry for you, man. You get paid a lot of money to play a game and have fun. Just enjoy your life. But, that being said, I, I do get it. So, with that said... Let's go into the, the, the second counterpoint, and it is something that I do think is valid. And if I could quantify it, which I can't, is, like I can quantify a draft pick. Not, not, not super specific, because it, it varies. I, I don't know exactly how high or low of a pick we can get, and I don't exactly know the value of player that will be available there. If I did, that would help me maybe to say, okay, you know, 8 to 10 doesn't really matter. They're kind of just whatever, but I really can't. And I can't really quantify the locker room. And the, the overall concern is, well, if we tank or lose out, then that will cause people to start going down the road of pouting and saying, oh, shoot, we're a bad team. And then regardless of how much talent we have, we're just going to end up with a team full of ha-has that just don't want to play. I think that's overly general. I mean, how many times have you seen sort of the rags to riches, worst to first? I mean, it, it always happened. I mean, you know, how good were the Seahawks before they went on to win the Super Bowl? Like, you're a bad team before you become a good team. The idea that once you become a bad team, you're bad forever because then everybody starts pouting, I don't know. I mean, some players, sure. And I've already said, I want guys like HaHa 
out of the locker room because I'm worried about the impact it has on guys like Jair. I've absolutely said that, and I, I will stand by that. And there's very few people on this team I will tolerate polluting Jair because you want to talk about a precious commodity given his his value, his talent, and his youth. There aren't a whole lot of people on this team that I'm willing to tolerate that are going to poison that young man and his attitude and energy, which is pivotal. But again, I, I don't know that that's... I mean, I know wins-losses matters, but I don't think it has to matter as much. And beyond that, let's not forget, the bad is already it's already done. right? You don't have to tank for everybody to go out of this year saying, well, that, that kind of stinks. <laughs> that was a terrible year. I mean, if, if we win four out of the next five, losing to the Bears, do you believe that this team is going to go, wow, we're, we're really kind of good? No, because the other four teams are garbage. They're absolute garbage. And, and you know, the only semi-good teams are going to be at home, which was never a problem anyways. So we beat the Falcons at home. So what? It's a home game. We always win at home. We beat the Lions at home. Or is that on the road? I think it's at home. Whatever. So, so what do we win on the road? The Jets? <laughs> you want to talk about a spark, son? That's going to carry you right into 2019 right there. Yeah, we're third in the division and didn't make the playoffs. And uh, all around really horrible year, shipping people off because of bad attitudes and the whole nine yards. But, man, did you see how we put up 32 points on the Jets? Whoa! We're almost as good as the Browns, man. Whoo-wee. I'm sorry, I don't buy it. Now, if you want to say, what if we win out and get into the playoffs? Uh, again, it's it's kind of like, what is the overall value? I, I acknowledge that if you go on a run and get into the playoffs, that could be a spark to the team and to the locker room. I'll grant you that. Even if you lose in the playoffs, it still kind of carries a little bit more weight because you, you went on a, a win streak which means something. You beat the Bears on the road, which means something. You got into the playoffs and and, and uh, leapfrogged the, the Vikings in the division, which means something. I just don't like how much value we know we're going to lose in the draft based on the idea that maybe some players just won't play next year if we don't get into the playoffs. If that's the case, we're in a lot of trouble. A lot of teams don't make the playoffs. I mean, how in the world did the Rams make a jump last year? How did they do that? They're not supposed to do that. They, they were a garbage team that had been garbage for... How long were the Rams garbage? How many decades, for crying out loud, were the Rams complete trash. Why were they able to make a leap? They're not supposed to do that. First of all, they don't have any experience in the playoffs, so they don't even know how to win. Second of all, they all don't have a a good attitude because, you know, they've been on a terrible team for so long. Like Todd Gurley, he's basically ruined because he was on a... That's just not how it works, man. When you're a good team, you're a good team. And that brings, in and of itself, good energy. 2019 will take care of itself. I just want to try to bring good pieces into 2019, which means, listen, the team can be just like the fans. What happens to the fans during the draft? Why have I said the draft is so exciting? Because it's a time in which we can all fantasize about something that's probably not very real. 
and that is that the team is now good enough to win a Super Bowl. You got everybody saying that. Maybe some fans are a little more realistic, Jets fans or whatever, maybe don't feel that way. But everybody's a stud, and oh, I can't, did you see that fourth round guy, though? Oh, boy! I mean, look how jacked we were for Equinemius St. Brown in the draft. Because it's the draft, it's when we get goofy and silly. And then prior to the year, what do, everybody thinks they're going to win. Everybody thinks their team is better. It's the same with the players, right? And it's, a, it's the job of a good coach like Sean McVay to convey to your team, we're dangerous. We're real good. And if we are real good, then again, it'll take care of itself. Aaron Rodgers has a bad attitude. Yes, he does. You know why? It's not because he just has a bad attitude. It's because we're losing. You know how you fix the locker room? Win. You know what could help us win? Better players will help us win. So that's why I'm still on the side of let's just try to play better next year and let the locker room fix itself. You know what will really punish the locker room, regardless of what happens this year, is if we come back next year and are still bad. Like if we win four out of five and don't get into the playoffs, and then we come back next year and we're still not a good team, things will start to deteriorate very rapidly because now this is three years in a row that we're not a good team this needs to be fixed next year not this year we're not going to fix the locker room this year we're not going to fix this team this year this is irreparable and i don't think we're going to trick the team into thinking they're good because we beat a bunch of garbage teams down the stretch i don't buy it so again i think those are really good points And I think, again, if we could quantify it, if I could actually put a numeric value on it and we could see, like, the value of the draft pick compared to the value of the the energy in the locker room, then we could be... But, I mean, that takes the fun out of it, right? Then what do we have to argue about? But anyways, I just wanted to highlight that because I do think that's valid and that is something I'm always concerned about. But again, um, winning fixes the locker room. Losing poisons the locker room, right? Look at the Jaguars. Look at everybody. Everybody that's winning has a great attitude and a great locker room. The Saints have a great locker room. The Rams have a great locker room. The, the Chiefs have a great locker room. The Jaguars' locker room is garbage. Why? Because they're losing. The Eagles. You think the Eagles have a good locker room right now? Of course not. They just won the Super Bowl, and now they're going to be third in the division. Unless the Giants go on a run. <laughs> then they're going to be fourth. What happened to their locker room? Just win. Win, and that'll fix it. And again, 2019 is my focus because I I want them to have a good locker room and win next year more than I want them to be happy and have this false sense of security that while we're a really good team because we went on a run against garbage teams and then come back in 2019 and realize, nope, they were just trash teams. We're still a garbage team. We can't win. Does that make sense? So anyways, let's talk about specifics because as I said, I went through and kind of just did a... um, a breakdown of if we win 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, what is our position? And then for the sake of just kind of maybe adding a little bit to it, I want to look specifically at some of the draft prospects. Because to be honest, looking at it specifically kind of took a little bit of the sting out of it for me. In other words, winning one or two games is not, and again, it could be. It depends who wins and who loses, right? There's so many variables I could not, in a month, get it all figured out. But just based on, I mean, some of it's pretty straightforward, right? The Rams aren't going to, or the uh, the Raiders aren't going to beat the Rams. I don't know if they're playing each other, but games like that are pretty straightforward. But there's always going to be a couple little wonky things where somebody may draft higher than us or lower than us or whatever. But th- there's a good chance that winning one game 
is really not going to impact us very much at all. So first of all, let's start with more losses and work our way toward more wins. If we lose out the season, I currently have the Packers drafting 8th. Now, I know that's not as high as we would like. That was just kind of the way I had it set up. Um, unfortunately, bad teams lose, right? And, and the only way we get higher, currently, like I said, we're drafting 11th. The only way we get higher up on this is if the teams that are worse than us start winning games and, you know, bad teams don't usually win. Um, so for reference, the teams that are currently above us, and this is what matters uh, other than us losing, is these teams winning. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Buffalo Bills, Detroit Lions, and Atlanta Falcons. These teams are only a half a game, um, I don't know, back or up. or It's confusing because they're worse but kind of better at the same time. But they're 4-7, four, 4-7, four we're 4-6-1. and one. So they would all need to win a game, one game. If we lose out, they just need to win one. Well, Detroit and Atlanta, we play them. So they would automatically be ahead of us. Tampa and Buffalo would also have to find a way to win. So so this is, I mean, it's very possible we draft higher than eighth. It's just a matter of certain teams just, you know, kind of any given Sunday-ing. Um, outside of that, you've got the Jacksonville Jaguars, the New York Giants, and the New York Jets that are 3-8. Th- and eight. They would need to win two games in order for us to draft higher than them if we lose out. Then you have Oakland, Arizona, and San Francisco. They would have to win three. I don't see us... First of all, I don't really see us losing out. I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's actually more likely we win out than lose out, to be completely honest. But, um, you know, again, a guy can dream. But I don't see us losing out, and I don't see Oakland, Arizona, or San Francisco winning uh, three more games, even given Arizona beating us. I don't see them beating two other teams. And I also I don't see them beating us this week. I just don't. I, just, I, mean, I, I understand it's people, fans are panicked. But the teams we've lost to are generally relatively good teams. At the very least, we can't beat mediocre teams on the road. Um, But beating teams at home is not a big problem. And Arizona is, I mean, arguably the worst team in the NFL. I mean, they have the 32nd ranked offense. They've got one of the worst defenses, if not the worst defense. I mean, they are an absolute mess. So um, I would say at best, if, if the stars aligned, we could pick fourth. And I don't even know if that's necessarily true. I didn't run that simulation, but I probably should have to just see if it's even possible to let the Jets, because, you know, if they play each other or whatever, it could be problematic. But is it possible for the Jets to even win three out of their next five, the Giants to win three out of five, the Jaguars to win three out of five? Probably not. But seventh or eighth is not all that impossible. And again, I have us drafting eighth if we lose out. And, And again, the reason why it's important is if you look at it, Currently, we're 11th. Now, everything moves. If you win, it kind of goes the wrong way. If you lose, it goes the right way. So, whatever. But it's just, you know, it's not this really big boost. What up, Dan's Powder? That's how you do that. He's got a lot of hits, man. They might sound the same, but uh, it's not. You just don't get the music, all right? So old. That was his new single, Rise With Me, Girl, featuring I fizzle so eighth eighth is kind of the goal and, and again it's not you know it I, I think the tank crowd including myself need to hear this because it's not like we're currently 11th we could maybe be top five nah, uh, not really we're talking about we're barely outside of the top 10 if we tank we'll be barely inside of the top 10 so that's an important reference 
Now, as far as, I, I, I know there's going to be two questions. Okay, let's say we're at eighth. First question, who do you think realistically is available at eight? Great question. And what would it take to move up and get Nick Bosa or Ed Oliver or whatever? Great question. First of all, as far as trading up, um, I don't think, I okay, I know we cannot trade our Saints pick and our eight to move up to number one and get Nick Bosa. I know that for a fact. It cannot happen. They would not accept it. I don't think they would take, um, I, I mean, maybe both first rounds and next first round draft pick. Seriously, it, it, it might be that much. And no, not in the world am I okay doing that. I don't really even want to package up the first and second pick to move up to get somebody. So for reference, like I've said, I think the worst the Saints can be is about 25th. If we package these two, we can maybe get up to fourth. Now, if a guy like Ed Oliver or, or, or Nick Bosa falls to fourth, or even Quinnen at that point, but I, I just, I don't know, man. I'm on the, I, I just don't like, I like having two picks. I just do. Now, I understand getting an elite prospect probably means more than getting two really good prospects, but I just, I, I, I like having two, man. I just like having two guys that I can be excited about. Two opportunities. If one is a bust, the other guy, I mean, we, we, we just, we've got a lot of opportunities. Not to mention we have a lot of holes and we get to fill two holes, right? If, if we want to get Deontay Thompson at eight, who's a safety, and then get an edge rusher later, or if we want to, whatever. I'm just saying, I don't really like packaging. However, if a guy like that fell to fourth or fifth, okay, fine, let's pull the trigger. It, it's kind of getting to the point where you almost have to. But I, I don't really think they will. So in general, I don't really see us trading up. If anything, uh, I could see us trading back, depending on who's available, just because there's so much talent. But I, I don't, at this point, see a lot of, like, you know, must-take players. You know, it, trading from 8 to 12 and picking up a third-round pick and still getting somebody that's that's really quality player, only dropping four spots. Because, again, that's another benefit of drafting higher is when you move back. Like, if, if we move from you know, the, the third round into the second round, it, it meant very little to us. You know, what do we get a fourth round pick to move from like 28 to 35 that one year or something crazy when we got Kevin King? We can move four spots back, still draft higher than we hardly ever get a chance to, I mean literally ever, and get a third round pick out of it. So that's another benefit of drafting higher. It just it, the, the, the pick just carries more value and so do all of our picks through the draft. But in general, I, I wouldn't want to trade up uh, the question of the second question of who would be available really really hard to tell at this point in time. I, I think Nick Bosa's gone. I think Ed Oliver's gone. I think Quinnen Williams is gone. Anything can happen, and if any of those guys slide two eight where we're drafting, you got to take them. After that, though, there's a pretty big drop off. And if you go to NFLBigBoard.com, there's actually um, if you look to the far right, it says average grade. I'm going to change that terminology because it, it's not really a grade. It's the average rank. Meaning Nick Bosa 1.39, that, that's on average where he's ranked across all the big boards that I have. Ed Oliver 2.9, Quinn in 6.8, so there's a pretty big drop off, although he's been flying up the board, that's going to change. And then Greedy Williams 8.13, so our fourth pick, their average rank is 8th. So you can see there's a big discrepancy there. In other words, between 2 and 8, <laughs> there's not a huge amount of like quality value there. But then you've got uh, Greedy Williams, 8, uh, Cleland Farrell, 8, 
Deontay Thompson, 10, Jonah Williams, 10, Jeffrey Simmons, 11, right? So from the 10 to 14 range, there's a lot. I should say from 8 to 14. Like there, there's, there's a grouping of a lot of players in that range that are a good value in that range. So 8 isn't even that bad. 8 is like, I mean, if this, is, if this kind of holds true, that's not a bad spot. But some of the names that could matter, that, that could be available, Greedy Williams, I know that seems ridiculous because it's like, man, we got so many corners. Yeah, I, I don't know that it would be the greatest thing because it's not the biggest need. But I also don't want to do what I said last year with Derwin James, where I said, I don't know if I want him because we got Josh Jones. I'm not sure I want to pass on Greedy Williams because maybe Kevin King will play more than two games in a year or because maybe Josh Jones or Josh Jackson will start to play better. And really, those are all our only options right now. Kevin King, I would say, is mediocre with high upside, but a massive injury issue. Josh Jackson just isn't that great. So if we took Greedy Williams, we got Jair, and we have a cornerback that's probably a little better than Jair in Greedy Williams. So not the biggest need, but now we're talking about two lockdown cornerbacks. So that's that's a potential situation. He's a cornerback out of LSU. Again, if you head over to the website, NFL Big Board, you can, right there, there's buttons. You just click highlights, and boom, you start checking out what this guy can do. I think Cleveland Farrell, he's been high up. He was number three for a long time. He's slowly falling. I do think he'll fall. Um, I, I've already said, I just, I don't get it, and I would love for somebody to kind of explain it. Not that I, I don't hate the guy. Uh, he's got a lot of power, very, very strong, but I see him kind of like a Nick Perry type of guy. He's not a speed guy off the edge. If you get in the ball out quick, he's not going to get to the quarterback. I don't see him as highly athletic. I just see him as, as power. Right, if he was a little bigger in a defensive tackle, I'd probably love him. But I, I'm not seeing a lot of like elite bend or speed or you know just flying past tackles or whatever. It's just he's, he's, he's great against the run. But I think you check out his highlights, and it's mostly getting sacks when you know the play extends four seconds, five seconds, um, you know, or the quarterback steps up into the pocket when the you know he's basically getting beat, and the quarterback steps up into the pocket right into him. So he was getting beat, but then the quarterback kind of you know he's not working with the tackle who doesn't know where the quarterback is. It's really the tack or the quarterback's fault getting sacked. So he he is kind of the one guy that's kind of hanging out there that currently, if I'm just going by the board, would be considered elite, you know, top 10, but not Nick Bosa. I don't know that I agree, but the next edge rusher I have on this board is Josh Allen, and he's sitting at 15. So uh, Cleland is, if, if he's as good as everybody says, he could be the guy that we get that is a top-tier edge rusher that we just never really get a chance at, that falls to us comfortably at 8. I just really want somebody to sell me on him because I just don't get it. Uh, another guy, Deontay Thompson at safety, free safety out of Alabama. Um, like I've said, not a lot of good safeties. And this this will hold true. I'm not going to do this for every one because it's just, you know, if, if it's true for eight, it's true for nine, it's true for ten. But, um, yeah, not a lot of good safeties, not a lot of real good options. But uh, Deontay Thompson is the one guy that's considered a top-tier prospect. Another Alabama, every single year. I mean, since HaHa, there's just always a guy. And they, they are pretty talented. HaHa, despite everybody's gr- grief with him, and I think a lot of it is attitude and, and heart, because we've seen the guy play with good angles, good intensity, good tackling, as well as good coverage. Um, so, again, I don't think it's a talent thing with him. I think it's a, a passion thing, you know, not wanting to get hurt or whatever the case may be. 
But there have been a lot of good safeties just about every year coming out of Alabama. Here's another one, Deontay Thompson. Jonah Williams, tackle out of Alabama. Um, I, I wouldn't really like the pick. I know it's an important need, and I know I've been banging the drum for tackle. I just hate the idea of a top 10 pick sitting on the bench in 2019 because we have Brian Balaga. And we can move on from Balaga. Maybe we could put him in instead of Balaga. It just it kind of makes me sick a little bit. Now, granted, in 2020, for sure, we wouldn't re-sign Balaga. And we would just we would not even skip a beat. So in 2020, we'd be looking back at this 2019 pick saying that was brilliant foresight. And it probably is a smart pick. But, you know, if I'm going to get an offensive lineman, I want him to come in and play right away. If I'm going to get anybody in the top 10, I want him to come in and play right away. We've got Balaga on contract through next year. Are we really going to bench him for Jonah? I don't know. I don't I, ugh. Anyways, Jeffrey Simmons is a guy nobody really is talking about. He's top 10 on my board. He's really popular on a lot of boards. Nobody really knows his name. It's funny, I'm doing the mock draft in my other Facebook group, and real popular names like, uh, I don't know, whatever. There's popular names that are almost second-round picks that are going earlier than Jeffrey Simmons. You should check him out, man. Check out his highlights. He's just a very big, strong, kind of get-up-the-field kind of guy. He's not really my favorite, but um, I definitely could understand the the appreciation of him, and I think he would be a pretty solid pick. Uh, Rashawn Gary, I'm not a huge fan. He's I currently have him listed as a defensive tackle because that's where Michigan has him. Um, he's kind of like one of those 4-3 guys where he can kind of play inside as a tackle. Sometimes they slide him out to the outside on the edge. Kind of one of these shorter, stouter, heavier, eh, I don't know. I'm just not into it, but talented guy, I guess. I don't know that he would fit all that great with us. He would have to play defensive end. Because he's not going to be a stand-up outside linebacker, in my opinion. I don't know. You, you check him out for yourself. See if you like him. I just don't like him. Next on the list, Devin White. Very real possibility here. I know it's not going to be anybody's absolute favorite. But it would be kind of cool. you know. And again, we've got Oren Burks. But I don't want to make that same as the, 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 what I'm now going to be calling the Josh Jones mistake. Which is, you know, again, I don't want Derwin because we have Josh Jones. I mean, it just sounds silly coming out of my mouth right now. But really, I thought that way because it's like we just drafted him. What if he's good? What if he becomes good next year? Like, what are we supposed to do? Cut him? It's the second year of a second-round draft pick. You can't do that. Well, whatever. I'm not playing that game, especially with Oren Burks. Like, we just got him. Yeah, okay, but he's like the worst linebacker in the NFL right now. He's horrible. If you have the opportunity to draft a Devin White, and again, please go check out his highlights. Just, I mean, he's just a different kind of physical person. I would take Devin White over Roquan Smith. I, I just, I still have my hesitations about Roquan. I, I concede he's a good player. He just isn't strong enough. Like he, you watch Roquan and if anybody got a hand on him, they blew him right out of the play. Literally. Offensive linemen put their hand on his chest. He literally got blown so far back he did a backflip. That's not happening to Devin White. This guy is fast. He's mean. He's physical. He is built like a tank. If we got Devin White, I'd be pretty excited. He is a, a different kind of player, and he's a good good guy for 2019 football, right? Fast, athletic, you know, whatever it is you like about Oren Burks, but probably faster and stronger and smarter and quicker and just all that stuff. So pairing him with, with Blake Martinez, and, um, you know, at that point, we, we wouldn't really have to consider bringing back Jake Ryan, which at this, at this point, we absolutely have to re-sign him. I think for a, for a GM that wants to offload every pick that Ted Thompson ever made, 
I'm overstating that, but you, I mean, it's just, he doesn't want to pay any of these guys that Todd Thompson recently picked up. And Jake Ryan is, is one of the last, if not the last left from that draft class looking to get paid. And at this point, I think he gets paid because he has to, because it's just, I, I don't trust Oren Burks enough. And, uh, you know, anybody else we have, Jake Ryan's a good linebacker. But again, you get a guy like Devin White, and I would encourage you, please, go to NFL Big Board, go check out his highlights, go check out his film, look at his scouting report. He gets me excited. And I know linebacker isn't that important, it's not that cool or flashy of a position, but it's one of those things when you appreciate it when it's on the field. And, and, and as bad as the, the run defense has been, that will be a massive boost. So I, I think it could be a good next step for the team. Uh, Raquan Davis currently 12th. I really think he's going to go up the board. I like him a lot. Again, another guy, please go watch his highlights. He's not, I don't see him necessarily as a guy that's going to terrorize quarterbacks. I don't know if he gives us that pass rush like Quinnen or Ed Oliver kind of does, but he's, he's definitely got that ability because he, I mean, what I love about him, and it's, it's my own personal scouting term. I, I, I don't, you know, everybody's got their weird terms, but I, I call it bear paws. The amount of power he has throughout his body is one of those things where, you know, some guys, they got to take you head on and they got to wrap you up and drive through to make a tackle. A lot of the guys I've even mentioned here are that way. Legitimately, if Raekwon Davis gets one hand on you, if he's off to the side and he reaches out with one hand and just grabs the quarterback's chest, the quarterback's going down. He has so much power in his hands. He's just a different kind of human being. It's like a bear, man, or, or you know pretty much any animal, they're pretty powerful, but we're going with Bear, because he's built like one anyways. Guy gets me so excited, so very excited. I I, I would be shocked if he's not taken in the top 10, because he's just a freak. So I'm I'm not going to continue on, because after that, I don't really see a huge amount of guys going at 8, maybe some of these edge rushers, Ja'Kai Polite, Brian Burns, Josh Allen, maybe, but they're just as likely that they could slide further away. Um, those are the ones that I, I could see as being uber talented. You know, there's Byron Murphy at cornerback. There's Noah Fant, but he's a tight end. So the, the, that's kind of the pool that I think we're dealing with. So I, I think the top three are out of our reach, and I think anybody after that is probably – we can start talking about that with our second pick. But the, those are the names that I gave you right there currently – you know, again, this is going to especially when the season ends. As soon as the season ends, this board starts going crazy. And the closer we get to the draft, the more volatile it becomes. And it always blows my mind because it's like, you guys have been watching film all year, and then somehow when the players aren't doing anything, their draft stock is going either up or down when they haven't done anything yet. So this, this is all very preliminary stuff. But as it stands, that's kind of our pool. And that's a good pool, man. We're talking about cornerback, which we can still say is a need. We're talking about edge rusher, absolutely a need. Safety, absolutely a need. Tackle is a need. Defensive tackle is a need. The only guy that I didn't mention in this whole group is Justin Herbert, the quarterback that we don't need. And it's awesome that he's here because if he gets drafted, you know, early, that just drops everybody one spot. And that's one more player we're going to have access to. But yeah, it really is a very, very good draft for us. Even going down the line, um... After that, we got cornerback, tight end, need, need, edge rusher, need, cornerback, need, edge rusher, need, edge rusher, need, linebacker, need, wide receiver, need, defensive tackle, need, edge rusher, need. And granted, we just have a lot of needs, but it's not a huge quarterback draft like last year, which we didn't need. Um, what else don't we need? <laughs> I don't know. 
I guess it's a good draft because we need a little bit of everything. But it's good, though. I mean, you know, in years past, we're drafting 28th, and there's like two needs we have, you know, and, and one of them is linebacker, and we're not going to touch that till the fourth round because nobody cares about linebackers, and very very rarely are they even worth anything in the first round anyways. So we're very rarely getting guys we can be excited about. I'm telling you, this is going to be an exciting draft, ladies and gentlemen. But anyways, so with zero wins, I have us drafting eighth. With one win, let's say we beat the uh, Cardinals but then lose out the rest of the year. I was kind of surprised to see this, but I actually had us drafting ninth, meaning just one spot we lose out on, which is, again, why it was cool that I went through this. And, again, that could change. I mean, it could be the difference between eighth and twelfth, depending on who wins and loses. But just the way that I had it set up, we go from eighth to ninth. Honestly, who cares? I mean, what, what worst-case scenario, what? Like Nick Bosa is caught you know, doing something crazy on social media, he falls to eighth and gets drafted eighth, and then we're sitting there at ninth without Nick Bosa. But, that, I mean, that's such a ridiculous scenario anyways. Like, that's the only real nightmare scenario. I mean, it could, it, I mean, it could definitely, there's obviously potentially a, a line, and there's one more guy that the Packers really want, and he gets taken at, at eighth, and then we're at ninth, and then we have to probably trade back, or whatever the case is. Now, if we win two wins, not even kidding you, when I ran it with two wins, it doesn't really matter who. I actually, actually, I, I actually, actually, I actually switched it with the Lions, thinking maybe that would make an impact whether we beat or lose to the Lions because they're one of the teams that's drafting ahead of us. It didn't change anything. So regardless of who the second win is, let's say it's to the Jets on the road, we would draft tenth. So the difference between losing out and winning two of our next games means the difference between drafting eighth or tenth. I just, I really don't care. And I, I'm, I'm very glad I did this because you got to understand, I, I was wrong insofar as I was panicking, thinking the difference between losing out and winning one or two games meant the difference between drafting like sixth and 14th. I was wrong. Now, I, maybe I'm not. It could be that difference. It could be sixth or 14th. But again, a lot of these simulations are very obvious win-loss scenarios. I mean, a, a lot of really bad teams have really tough schedules. A lot of really good teams have really, you know, what, whatever. So a lot of this, there's not a lot of debate. There's not a lot of room for maybe outside of just the whole any given Sunday. Like, well, maybe, you know, the the Lions beat the Patriots or what. I don't even know if they play that, but you get what I'm saying though, right? Now, the real issue comes when we win um, more games than this. If we win three games, I have us drafting 12th. Now we're kind of getting into the territory of, I, I don't really like this. Right? The difference between 8th and 12th is kind of getting to be a little bit big. We're, we're outside of the top 10. The value of the pick has fallen quite a bit. The value of the players, that we're getting into the territory of quality is dropping pretty quick. I mean, right, right in that like 8 to 12 range, you know, top 5, you're probably getting a really good prospect. Top 10 good chance there's still some people left from 10 to 15 you're kind of getting into that if he like last year was a pretty good draft and, and around what was it what did I say 18 was kind of the cutoff 19 it's getting iffy and there's a lot of players the Packers could like and want and utilize I guarantee you between 8 and 11 <clears throat> excuse me between 8 and 11 that the Packers would want and would miss out on so I don't really like that Worst case scenario, though, we win four and, say, lose to the Bears because at that point we're picking 14th, and I don't like that at all, and we're still missing the playoffs. So worst case scenario is, so if we win 
one, two, or even three games I can survive. Because we're talking about pick eight, nine, or ten. I would much rather prefer eight. I can live with nine. Ten, fine. I don't want to win three or four games. Three or four games is is not good. So, I mean, just looking at the schedule, we are going to beat the Cardinals. So let's say we're at that point, we're picking ninth. I would say it's very unlikely we lose to the Jets, even though it's on the road. At that point, we're picking 10th. We're probably going to lose to the Bears. That leaves the Falcons and the Lions at home. I am so nervous we're going to win four out of our next five and end up picking like 14th or 15th or 16th. I really don't like that. I really don't like that because we're missing out on a lot of talent. Again, and, and listen, it's somewhat of a compromise between my camp and and the camp that says we need to kind of protect our locker room. If we start tanking and lose to teams like the Cardinals, that's going to be devastating. Okay, fine, let's compromise. Let's beat the Cardinals. Let's beat the Jets. We'll lose to the Falcons, the, the Bears, and the Lions. I know that's two divisional opponents, but, I mean, give me, give me a break. I mean, cut me some slack here, all right? I'll give you two wins. You give me a top 10 pick. We'll call it a compromise. Can we agree on that? Now, here's the final scenario, because we didn't talk about this. If we win all five games, which I've already said I think is more likely than us losing all five games. I, I think we, we have four games that the Packers are, in my opinion, favorites already. So really it just comes down to beating the four teams that you're better than because the Falcons and Lions are pretty decent, but they're at home. The Jets and, uh, well, the, the Cardinals are also at home and easy, so that's a guarantee. The Jets are on the road, but they're so bad that has to be a road win. So the question really comes down to can we beat the Bears on the road if we find a way to do that, which I think is going to be tough, but again, more likely than losing all of these games, I think we're in the playoffs. I do. I, I think we are the the, uh, the sixth seed, and I think we will get into the playoffs. I don't think we get very far, but you know, it could be somewhat of a galvanizing moment. We've went on a run. We beat the Bears on the road. We've won two road games now. Um, it, you know, it could be enough juice to get us somewhere. And if we're, you know, lucky enough to beat the Bears and you're kind of in maybe territory. So, you know, the, the fact of the matter is, and I said we're going to be covering both sides of this, which is the potential for a playoff and the potential for a top 10 pick. And we're going to kind of monitor both. We can play this game for a little while, right? We can beat the Cardinals and we still get a top 10 pick and we're still in playoff contention. We can beat the Falcons. We're still a top 10 pick. We're still in playoff contention. And then it comes down to the Bears. And that is the biggest thing. If we lose to the Bears, we are officially out of the playoffs. And now it's kind of to that point where it's like, I don't want to win anymore, right? We, we can lose one more, <laughs> and that's it. Actually, no, we can't, can we? We lost two, we're maxed out. But we can play this game for a couple of weeks where we compromise. Again, beating the Cardinals, for, for, all the, for all of you that are in my camp, and I listen, I get it. I, under, I understand that my prediction doesn't necessarily mean anything, and it could mean the difference. You know, beating the Cardinals could be the difference between picking sixth or even fifth and picking you know ninth. It's very unlikely because, again, it's not that malleable. You can play with it yourself if you want and try to, I don't know, run some simulations, however you can do that. But, you know, again, part of the reason I wanted to do this was to kind of demonstrate and show it may not be as impactful as it seems. So we, we, we can both, if we want to, root for the Cardinals, root to beat the Cardinals and, and, and root to beat the Falcons. And at that point, we can kind of recalibrate and see where we're at. Like if they're really convincing wins, like if we beat the Cardinals 41 to, to 14, 
it's kind of like, all right, that was cool. Let's see what happens next week. And then we beat the Falcons, you know, 35 to 21. It's kind of like, at that point, I'm even I'm thinking, you know what? Let's see what happens. You know, maybe I'm back on the bandwagon. If we can beat the Bears, maybe there's something here. But again, the reason I jumped off is because I just don't see us being that team. Now, I, I, I see it very unlikely that we lose to the Cardinals, and I would be disappointed if it's even close. I mean, if we beat them 21-17, to that's horrible, and it's basically a loss. At home, give me a break. Again, we're talking about are we better than the Bears, are we better than the Vikings, the Rams, the Saints, the, the Seahawks, all these different teams. No, not, not beating the Cardinals by three is not anything. And that's definitely not a, a galvanizing moment or something that's going to help the locker room at all. Because they're not, they're not dummies. Football players absolutely understand what's going on. They understand the quality of their opponent. They understand that a three-point win against the Cardinals means you kind of stink. They get that. But again, it's, it's, not, it's not all or nothing yet. And I know there's kind of a, a, a war brewing, and I probably contributed to it yesterday between the, the tank crowd and the keep-going crowd. But what I'm saying is, we don't have to be at each other's throat quite yet. If we lose to the Cardinals, it's game over, right? <laughs> I don't want to win anymore, and I don't care, because there's nothing you can do that's going to make the team that just lost to the Cardinals feel good about this year. Now, the only other aspect here is I think there's a good chance, even if we miss the playoffs, we're number two in the division, because I think the Vikings are on their way to losing several games. They could they could lose three of their next five games. Legitimately, the Bears, they already lost two. The Seahawks, who I think are better than the Vikings, because I'm not that convinced the Vikings are all that great. They beat us, but if you can't tell by my tone, I'm not impressed by that. And then, of course, the Rams are, uh, I mean, that's just not going to happen. But, I, you know, that's only one other factor, and I think that's more for the fans than the players. I, I don't really know how much that's going to help the locker room when you're a terrible team. But, hey, we were second. I think that's more for the fans so that we don't have to hear Vikings fans screaming in our ear all year long. Haha, you're third, we're second, blah, 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 blah. Which, I mean, let, let's just call it what it is. If the Vikings lose three of the next five, it, and any fan base, Vikings or Packers, wants to go, like, make fun of the other team, give me a break. <laughs> neither of these teams has any room. The only fan base in the NFC North that has any room to talk about anything is the Bears. As much as that hurts all of us, and it pains me to even have to say those words... That, it's, it's their time, man. Nothing we can do about it. They're number one in the NFC North. They're going to be number one in the NFC North. They're going to get into the playoffs. They're the only team that was able to do anything this year that has anything really remotely impressive going on. By that, I'm referring to their very, very good defense. And just got to concede it, man. All we got to do is concede it and hope that they get absolutely obliterated in the playoffs so that, you know, they don't have that much to talk about. But that's it. And, and again, I, I liked this exercise because it kind of took a little bit of the sting out of it. It's not as drastic. We're not talking about pick 30 compared to pick number one. No, we're talking about the, you know winning this game, again, means the difference between eight and nine. Whoop-de-doo. No, don't get me wrong. I want eight. I don't want to win for nine, but, it, you know... Okay, if it's going to break the, the spirit of the team, fine. Beat them and we'll take nine. It's not that big of a situation. So feel free to root for the Packers without any guilt, just knowing that if we lose to this team, there's a very good chance we lose out the rest of the year. And I think worst-case scenario, we're picking eight. Could be a little bit higher than eight. Pretty much guaranteed top ten. 
and uh, it's at least something to take solace in. Even the, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm doing this for your sake too, the, the run the table crowd. I know you don't want to tank, but just, just understand that when we lose, something on the back end is happening that's going to be positive for the team. If you don't want to think about it, that's fine. Just let it simmer in the back of your head a little bit. Hopefully it just brings a, a smile to your face a little bit. And again, I'm telling you, I promise you, go to NFLBigBoard.com, check out some of these highlights. It'll make you feel good, man. I know it does, because you watch these players. You're watching the safeties and thinking, what are you doing? Go watch Deontay Thompson, man. The guy's a monster. You want to talk about heart? Going up and making tackles? Check out Deontay Thompson. The run game, why can't we stop anybody? Do we have a linebacker on this team? Go check out Devin White. Go check him out. There's no pass rush. I don't know who to tell you to go. I, I, go watch Cleveland. See if you. I, I, if, if if I'm hungry for like a guy that's gonna go get a quarterback, I just don't watch Cleveland. <laughs> I just don't. Go check out Josh Allen or Jakai Polite or Brian Burns. Go check those guys out. Get you excited about some sacks. You want a dominant defensive line? Check out Quinnen. Guy's a freak. Go check out Ed Oliver. Cause who knows? Go check out Jeffrey Simmons or my guy Raquan Davis. Talk about plugging up the middle. Talking about just destroying people. Check out my boy Raekwon. Could go offense too, man. Want to get excited about this offense being able to do something instead of sputtering? Go check out Noah Fant. Imagine that guy as a tight end. Absolute athletic freak. A.J. Brown as a slot receiver. D.K. Metcalf. Nikhil Harry. Get you excited. I know it's far away. That's all right, though. Because when they're wearing the green and gold... You're not going to worry about it so much. Just watch the highlights. Picture that guy in green and gold being one of the greats. We got Aaron Rodgers. He's one of the greats. All-time greats. How many other people can we can we carve in stone as going to be one of the greats? Jair could be that guy. He could be one of the guys that we remember for a long time. Let's get another one. Let's get another guy that we can get as excited about as Jair. Somebody else that next year we're watching, we'll see these cut-ups on Twitter of, of these highlights and just looking at it going... I love that man. I just, I do, and I, I, I can't help it. Like, I, I you know, well, never mind. <laughs> Not going down that road. I'm just asking you to get excited with me as a Packer fan. We're all a family, right? You're not bad fans. I'm not a bad fan. Let's just get excited about stuff. We can get excited about a playoff berth this year. We can get excited about f- the future. Let's just get excited about stuff. Because there's, there's no benefit to being down on anything anyways. Find something to be excited about. If you think we can win the playoffs, get excited about it. And tune people like me out. Just don't listen. You know, if I'm, if I'm dragging you down. If you're excited about the draft, go get excited about the draft. There's a lot to be excited about. And again, like I've said, the entire point of this sport is enjoyment. If you're not getting enjoyment out of it, you're just an addict. <laughs> That's all you are is an addict. Right? You're, you can't stop doing something that hurts you. you got to stop. Or, alternatively, find a way to make it positive and make it fun. What, what, I think having kids has made football fun for me because it's... He doesn't... He understand, my, my son, who's four, kind of gets it. Like, I'm slowly teaching him, and it's funny how, how... I've realized how important first downs are because all I talk about for a solid three hours is the yellow line. Got to get past that yellow line. We got to stop him from getting past that yellow line. And that's all he talks about. And it's like, man, that, that really is, that's what this whole game is about, that dumb yellow line. 
But the game's lost. He has no idea. He doesn't understand impossible. He doesn't understand momentum. So it, it, it kind of brings a little innocence to it. Go watch football with a kid. Everything's good. Everything's fine. We're still going to win, always. doesn't even matter. Find a way to enjoy football. That's all I'm saying. That's what it's for, and if you can't do it, do something else. And I'm saying that because I know exactly what it's like for football to be horrible. I went through a several-year stretch where football was just misery, even when we were good. That loss to Seattle in the playoffs, ah, that, that was kind of a pivotal moment for me. That, that, was, that, was, that was bad. I was in a dark place when that happened. Miserable. Can't let it get that way. Enjoy it. Anyways, um, that is it. You folks enjoy your Wednesday. Not that there's anything good about a Wednesday, other than it's not a Tuesday. That's the only good thing about it. And tomorrow's Thursday, so that's that's kind of a positive. Which, the only reason Thursdays are good is because tomorrow's Friday, so I don't... <laughs> whatever. And then, you know, the only reason Friday's good is because tomorrow's Saturday. So I think we're a little too far removed to say Wednesday's good because tomorrow's Thursday. That's, that's one step too far. So whatever. It's Wednesday. We're halfway there. Pick a team, find out which one brings you the most joy, and go enjoy it. And uh, again, just go watch some highlights, man. I'm just telling you. I'm telling you. It'll make you happy. It'll be hard to be in the in the I want to win camp when you when you watch some of these highlights and go, eh, I'd rather beat the Cardinals and not get that guy. I'm just telling you. That'll be my challenge to you. Go watch Ed Oliver, even though I know we don't, we're not in reach anyways, but I kind of want to cheat. Go watch Nick Bosa, Ed Oliver, and Quinn and Williams, and then say I'd rather beat the Cardinals and not have them on my team. I dare you. (laughs) All right, you folks enjoy your day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.